I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to, well, it's the first pod well travelled for the first of March, new month, new season, autumn, mm. in in the European parlance, I can't remember what the Australian, West Australian Indigenous seasons, do you know six, uh, six, six seasons? Six seasons. Yeah, sorry, I should have prepared this before the podcast, six, didn't I? Six seasons. How remiss of me. Exactly Stephen right. might be able to look it up while we're talking. Anyway, so I've got Stephen Scarfield and uh, Penny Thomas on the show this morning. Going to be talking whale sharks and motion sickness. Not necessarily in that order, not necessarily related, but possibly they are. Um, anyway, welcome both to Thank the pod. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Um, Stephen. Yes. Whale sharks. Whale sharks, a, a perennially popular subject. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting, isn't it? The um, the whale shark is has become such a symbol of Western Australia, mm. where we are, um, and, and tourism here, and I guess. I've been interested in the, in the growth of it because I think it's something that we actually do very, very well. Mm. So the whale shark operators along the Ningaloo coast, which is mainly Exmouth, out of mm. Exmouth, mm. Um, sort of you stay in Exmouth and then you get bussed around to the Tenderbiddy ramp and go out from there to spend the day swimming with whale sharks. But also there's, there's, there's some operators have over, over the years have also worked out of Coral Bay. Mm. Um, but really it's based in Exmouth. And it's, it is, to me, a very it's extremely well run. I mean, the boats that do it, the skippers um, are very careful. I mean, there are other places in the world you can swim with whale sharks and it's perhaps not as managed as, as we are, you know, as mm. sensitive as we are. Mm. And, of course, when... It's, it's entirely predictable now that these that the whale sharks will come back, um, and we've had the first swim swims with whale sharks on twenty seventh of February. So the whale sharks are back. What's interesting for me in Exmouth is that it's a it's a even though it's a natural phenomena, um, it's a sort of as I say it is predictable. I was just looking last year twenty twenty two. There was a ninety-seven point one four success rate for people. The thirty-six thousand visitors went on mm. whale shark days, mm. and there was a ninety-seven percent success rate. And most of the operas also offer offer a credit. So if you don't mm. see a whale shark all day long okay. or get in the water with one, they'll take yeah. you again, sort yeah. of thing. So, wow. so it's a very, very well-run uh, operation up there, and. Um, We've had a lot of contact with a lot of the operators over many years, and it's it's been consistently good the mm. way they run things. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, the whale sharks are back, and that goes on till September. Mm. So there's plenty of opportunity. Mm. Um, I wouldn't go um, uh, in April when the solar eclipse is on because it'd be chockers. But, yeah, um, well, well, you, you and I were that. just talking about that this morning, weren't we? It was going to be an incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Exmouth really is, is being sort of booked out for the solar eclipse on April the 20th. Um, but interestingly, um, the Mackerel Islands, which is still going to get a very good mm. view of it, mm. we've just been chatting with the folks that run Mackerel Islands and they've got accommodation available for the solar eclipse. Um, so they've got three-night packages mm. out on the islands mm. there at Thevenard Island. Mm. Um so you, you stay in at Onslow, get the boat out, stay in their cabins, cottages out on the island, and you'll see it out there without the crowds. So that's Mackerel Islands Company yes. have got that available mm. too as a mm. as a side side issue there. Okay. Yeah. So that's what's going on there, but the coast. 
Amazing. Well, Stephen, we'll get back to you in a moment. But Penny, I wanted to hear about yes. uh, your... Now, you are someone who actually suffers from motion sickness. So yeah. it made sense that you should write this story for us. And it's going to be published pretty soon. So keep your eyes open do. for it. Mm. Yeah, we just got something recently that came through and it was quite interesting, especially for someone that is plagued with motion sickness mm. and has been my whole life. Um, often it's something that just sort of children between the ages of 2 and 12 sort of suffer with. But then if mm. you do have any inner ear problems or suffer migraines or... Um, anything that sort of causes nausea, you're more prone to it anyway. So I've, I do occasionally get vertigo. So I think I'm just one of those people that has uh, my equilibrium in my inner ear is just out sometimes. And mm. that's why I get it. But it's something that I've just so been So if, if I did this with your chair right now, <laughs> does it <laughs> make you sick? But it's actually quite fascinating, I guess, what experts do say, why people, why people I guess, feel motion sickness right, it's okay. because i guess the there's a mismatch or a confusion between what your brain is sort of feeling and what your eyes are actually seeing mm. so especially um if you're in sort of or on a boat or something like that i used to go sailing with my family and i could never really go below deck and stay there for long because technically you could be sitting still and your my body well i guess my eyes couldn't see that we were sort of bopping up and down but obviously we were so that's why I sort of I feel motion sickness I find and it's um the symptoms are really heightened when you go below deck on a mm. boat so I prefer to be mm. up above with the the wind in my face and yeah, sort of yeah, being sure. able to I guess gaze off at the horizon as well that was always a, a tip that I kept in my back pocket but sometimes you can't help these things I think I wrote about it um, when I was up at the Abrolhos earlier this year and mm. we went on a deep mm. sea fishing mm. adventure and mm. it was great for everyone else but not for me that experience <laughs> but it didn't last too long and once I was back on the, the bigger boat that they had I was fine again so it's it's all different but um the thing that we got through this week was from Panache Cruises they've been mm -hmm. got a sort of team of travel experts that have put together a list of foods that you can eat I guess perhaps before you even go out traveling if you're going you can, it can be on on a boat it can be on a plane trains or in a car or anything mm -hmm. depending on where you where you do feel mm -hmm. motion sickness but um they've said to really consider take eating and sort of bringing these foods along with you when you do go plain crackers ginger apparently is really good to chew on they've had um uh naval um seals that have done that i think in the past mm. and it's it i don't know if it's been proven a success but everyone says it's it is good and people continue to do that so mm. that's another trick that you can use apples bananas and nuts are just really good snacks because i think even when you are feeling nauseous or, or do suffer from motion sickness um you don't feel like you want to eat yeah but you really yeah. should because yeah. an empty stomach makes mm. it a little bit worse in in those set circumstances can I, add, can I add dry toast to that list as well yeah that's a good one i guess yeah. dry yeah. toast is is gold dry toast and tea with sugar mm. particularly the antarctica things that we do you know if someone gets really sick you're right trying to keep Trying to keep them to eat something is good, but just just dry toast will work. So, yeah. Stephen, is that something that you've also had a problem with? Is that, or is that more for the people that you take on tour? No, I'm just not that sensitive. I mean, it's <laughs> nice to have someone in the team like Penny who's who's got a higher sensibility than the rest of us. <laughs> I must say. It's nice. No, I, I, look, I'm. Well, I don't else. know. Look, there have been moments when I've th I thought I might be vulnerable to it, but mm. Fenergan normally covers everything. So. Um, but anyway, that's that's a separate issue. But certainly in terms of keeping people eating, mm. I find you know, dry toast, tea, and eventually get to lemonade if they survive. Yeah, that's know. always yeah a good tip as well, the lemonade actually. Um, also, I've taken quells and things like that in the past. It's always mm. just good to note if, if you don't know if you have motion sickness or not, you really want to sort of 
prevent it from coming on. That's probably the biggest lesson I've also learned along the way, because if you try to take um, any medication for it once it's kicked in, it usually won't work. And that's when you go for these types of foods. Yeah. But if you do take um, things like quells before you go out on a boat or on a plane or anything like that, they tend to actually ease the, ease the motion sickness, but they do tend to make you drowsy, which is the only downside. Mm. They do. The other, the other thing that's back actually, Penny, is, um, and it was, you couldn't get it in Australia for years and years and years and years, is scoptomy, which oh. those are the little stick-on plasters that you sort of put behind your ear, which going back probably 30 years, you know, every sailor in WA used to wear one just stuck on there. Wow. And then they sort of were banned or not available here for long and long, and now suddenly they're back in mm. chemists. So scops are, they can make, you know, they can affect, some people a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not recommending. Yeah. But they they certainly, it's like bulletproof. Yeah. Mm. Even as someone that's had it, you you will try anything. <laughs> it yeah. Sometimes it is awful. Would they be like it? the wristbands, the acupuncture, or the no, or no, no. This is serious drugs. Right. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is <laughs> well, serious. You that's will probably not why they went off drugs. and back on. That's, <laughs> yeah. right. that's right. You used to be able to get them in sort of South America, but you couldn't get them here. But now. And I'm told it was something to do with the supply chain issue, but okay. the manufacturing of them, not just the, not just the content, mm. the drug itself. But I mean, I also say so I'm not a doctor, but I have found that for for people who seriously ill, finergan is yes is really good for that. But can I just add that you know, just chatting that so often I, it's such a horrible thing, and I've seen people with you know really suffering from it. Even on whale shark days, you know, because you're in deep water, you know, you're suddenly mm. outside the reef at Ningaloo mm. in deep water, and swimming is quite demanding. I've seen people get seasick in the water, mm. which is pretty horrible. But anyway, we'll move on from that thought. But quite often, I think if you have suffered from it, I watch people heading towards a boat or something, and they're so nervous about it that that doesn't help either. Mm. You know, and I think it's it sort of becomes not self-fulfilling but you know i think if you suffer from it you you, you so become even more vulnerable to it it's, the, it's terrible isn't it yeah that, that does beg the question though why why would you do these things at all if you know you're going to have a terrible time because they're there will <laughs> yeah it's actually that's really interesting to know i think it was last year's sydney to hobart Mm. one of the skippers suffered from seasickness but he just loved sailing so yeah. much and i think once you break past the barrier there's a certain okay. like a day or something you can yeah. you can be okay yeah. um but yeah well johnny People run Bur- marathons and they're not fun are they yeah. no no, no <laughs> that's, that's right. true but they've got other motivations like <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah john bertrand the uh, skipper of australia too was very famous for being vulnerable to wow. seasickness yeah. you know? interesting and, yeah uh, well there you go but i mean i think you know we're not you're not just talking about that you're talking about Motion sickness, mm. which is which, in yeah. cars, in you and know, sometimes it does come planes. up unexpectedly because oh, even I've um, sat in the back of a sprinter van facing the wrong way. Mm. That was actually when I was going to Kangaroo Island recently, and it was going from Adelaide to the ferry terminal, which is quite a windy road as well. And um, I had to just ask them to stop and, and get out and sit in the front because in the back of those printer cards, there's no windows that go down as well. Right. So I can start to feel it, the queasiness right. once it starts mm. to set in. And then I'm, I've got to pick my battles and go, do I just sit here and hope nothing happens or do I yeah, stop yeah, this sure. from happening? And that was a good move. As soon as, as soon as you've got air, well, I find if I've got air 
back into my face and I'm facing the right direction, I'm, I'm good again. Mm, so, mm. And bigger boats and things are fine. Ferries I usually am fine with, but it all depends. Everyone's different and everyone's symptoms can also be different. Yeah, so. no, that's, a, that's a fair point. Um, so ginger? Ginger, ginger, ginger yeah. might be good in that circumstance. Yeah, yeah. so they say Most to chew on that as well. I would, I would usually have it in a tea or something. I don't know. Yeah, ginger tea. Mm. Yeah. You can get the, you know, the dried sort the of candy. The tablets as well, yeah. Ginger as well. Yeah, yeah, right. And ginger biscuits, I guess, yeah. Mm. Mm. I, I wanted to ask you because I know you'd recently written about a health retreat as well. Mm. And I, was, I, I keep thinking about things like yoga and Tai Chi, which address issues around balance. And um, I'm not sure whether there's any, is there any correlation there between training yourself in that way and being able to cope with, with motion sickness? Yeah, I guess that probably is, that's something I haven't even really thought about yeah. too deeply, but no, I sure. would presume it would because the more you get used to, I guess, do, doing different motions and everything, um, and I've done yoga before where they yes. say if you've got vertigo, you, this might they'll give you an alternative pose this is if kind it brings of what it I was on. thinking yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I guess you would be training and, and a lot of people I guess with inner ear problems uh, would probably do exercises anyway to, to sort of help that but um, yeah it, it's something that's quite interesting to know uh, but I don't know any any. no no sure thing. it just occurred to me because there's that old trick isn't there like when you try to balance on one leg mm. it's easy to do with your eyes open as soon as you close your eyes most people just fall straight because <laughs> yeah. they're relying more on their eyes and less on their inner ear yeah. and, and the, you know, there's centre of gravity to maintain the, 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 the balance. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, isn't it? No, that's very true. That actually reminds me of um, I've just always been told to drink more water, I guess, than, than I probably was doing before. So about two litres I should try yes. to get through in a day. Yes. Um, and that seems to help with the, the oh, ear balance. Oh, really? And, okay. And, and those types of issues. The more you're dehydrated, the, I just feel like every symptom is exasperated. So Yeah. But, but I mean, talking more generally, though, this idea about looking after yourself when you're traveling and mm. things like yoga and eating sensibly, meditation even, yeah. it's quite important, isn't it, to just, just, just look after yourself and reduce the stress of travel, mm. like long, particularly in long-haul flights. Yeah. Because you can, you, you're sort of out of your normal sort of, comfort zone yes. sometimes when you are traveling so activities like that would definitely um bring a bit more peace and balance to your to your day and just help you i guess go on as well so that's mm, a good point absolutely Stephen. you're, you're a seasoned traveler any tips for us there uh yeah i think noise is an issue not, not okay. noise i think cacophony is an issue mm. and i i do think um one shouldn't make sweeping statements but no but i will Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> whenever someone says that, you know they're going to, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, particularly perhaps older people who, you know, cacophony becomes a bit more of an issue. You know, where you can't, you know, it's the, that classic scenario where you can't hear anyone in the cafe because everything's clattering mm. around. But I think that in airports too, and I think it's quite disorientating. So I'll, I mean, in that context, if you're flying from Perth to Europe. You know, connecting in if you're not doing the direct flight, mm. connecting through Doha mm. is is probably a very good thing for reducing stress because one of the first contracts they put in place with Hamad International Airport was for an acoustic team mm. from France. Mm. So the whole airport is designed to be quiet without cacophony, mm. and it makes a big difference. You know, if you're if you do have that sensitivity, or you know, you're a Tinnitus person, or you, you, you're feeling very stressed about traveling. Actually, being in a quiet, muted environment is very helpful because mm. you can think. 
I mean, goodness knows why they play that music in shops because I can't. Mm. How do you shop when you can't mm. think? Anyway, um, the, if you look around Hamad International Airport, you'll see all the acoustic panels. You'll see them on the ceiling. Um, the whole building was built so that all the vibration goes down, uh, specially constructed columns into the ground. Mm. And I've actually walked all the surfaces, obviously, are designed to be that mm. i've actually walked along there and i've seen like a family of the trolley four meters away but you can't actually hear mm. them or the trolley wow. it's really kind of it's weird mm. but i think noise is part of it so perhaps you know uh, like the you know people wear headsets but also the you know maybe just earplugs or no- noise cancelling earbuds yeah or even just even just earplugs normally just take yeah. out a bit of the yeah, yeah. rattle mm. that goes on when you travel certainly in planes and i think i think noise is part of the stress level mm, definitely and if you're running behind and trying to get from oh, one play, part of the God. airport to the other there's nothing worse so that there's, sounds really great there's nothing worse <laughs> yeah it is it's it's really remarkable to me that aspect of that airport is one of the remarkable things in in travel. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, just, just the fact that they were forward-looking enough yes. and aware enough that this was actually yes. an issue it's an that issue. needed to be addressed. Yeah, mm. And, I mean, goodness, you can be in some, not just airports, some places where there's so much cacophony, there's so much going on that it's just... It's stressful and disorientating anyway. So think about, think about noise levels when you travel. Mm. I... I I wear little ear pl- little foam earplugs. So mm. I've got some that really suit me, and mm. I wear them even just around airports and things, just because there's there's too much noise going on. Mm. And I just want to quietly think about where I'm going, where I've got to be, what time it is, what the flight number. Look at the board without all the chatter and stuff going on around me. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, I wear them at home too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't say that. I thought the office might be a good yeah. environment for office, as yeah. well. It can get a little bit noisy in these open plan offices. Um, I wanted to quickly mention, Stephen, before we finish up, that we've, you've announced a couple of extra photo walks with phones. Yes, um, we have. We've we've got um, we've got some up there on the website mm. uh, on westtravelclub.com.au, and we've we've got a new little thing going on for people in Perth, obviously who've. Who've got a little bit of time in the week? Or well, you could always fly over from wherever you are in yeah, the look, world. You if can, you really you'll always keen. be welcome. <laughs> it, it increases the cost a little mm, because you've got the airfare on top mm. of it. But um, photo walks with phones have been kind of a little successful thing with us. So, I mean, in an hour and a half, walking with Moans Johansson, who's mm. brilliant, and me, who's in support. Um, <laughs> For an hour and a half with your phone, we'll teach you all sorts of things about your phone, not just technically, but in composition. Mm, So we've got mm. another one on May the 14th. But we've also launched, which was my point, Photo Walk Thursdays. Oh, of Mm. course. So for people who've got a bit of time in the week or think it's, you know, worth having a day off or something, Mm. come morning off, come and join Mm. us. That's on Mm. May the 18th. Mm. So we're just doing some in the week as well, which uh, which is a bit of fun. And we'll be... We'll be doing those in Perth, but we've also got some more coming up, which we'll be announcing soon in Fremantle and other places. Mm. We've done photo walks in Whiteman Park and at the Railway Museum and all sorts of things to sort of develop skills. Um, And what we're going to do also in future is do a sort of uh, shoot-and-show photo walks, Mm. which are less technical and more Mm. about just taking pictures And we'll be marking each picture out of 10. Mm. <laughs> I love that. 
Hang on a second. I think you, you, you're trying to, to um, encourage people here, not put them off. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's no, very no. intimidating. No, they do improve throughout <laughs> the day. Um, no, no, it's not intimidating at all. But um, look, I think using, thinking about and using your phone as a serious camera mm. is is the basis of this. Um, the the assignment I just did in New York, I took my two Canon R7s and three lenses and never took a shot on them. I carried them all around New York for day after day after day and just used my mm, phone, you mm. know. And for me, it's an iPhone 14 Pro mm. and every picture that we've published has come from that. Mm. So, you know, I mean, they're seriously really changed so much seriously the phone yeah. camera world. Penny, do you use your phone camera for a lot of photography for us here at the I rest? I use or? both. Yeah, I, okay. um, I really like my phone for just moments where it's just easy to get it exactly. out. And they really do take fantastic mm, shots. That's the mm. thing. Um, but I I have a little Fuji film X-T4, mm. which I love too. Mm, so mm. I take a lot of different ones on that. But it does take – it requires a little bit more work and um, because you've got to set up the shot, I guess, and make yeah. sure that, yeah, there's people and everything. So your phones are really great for just snapping things and going again really fast and you usually do get it in a couple of mm. shots. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Like you, it's really interesting because they're different processes, but mm. your phone photography benefits from your – Camera photography, yes, doesn't it? Because you know you're more conscious of framing. Exactly, and, you mm. go through all that. Yeah, you know, yeah. rather yeah. than just snapping. Can I? I'm going to say something mm. slightly rude now, but mm. I. Well, I'm going to say it. It's interesting because you know you come from you know you're using the camera in that process, Penny, and and bringing that into the phone. I do. Will does. Mm. Um, it's quite interesting. People who just use their phones and take lots and lots of pictures. And I must say, on photo walks. Because people say to us, well, how come, you know, your picture looks like this and mine looks like this? Mm. And it'll just be, you know, you can move, you can drop the phone by, you know, 10 centimetres, 15 centimetres, change the angle slightly and the whole picture just comes alive. Mm. And I think people who come from photography to, to using their phone as a camera is a really strong place mm. rather than people who just, you know, taking lots and lots of snaps with their phones. It amazes me how bad some people's pictures are. And I, I say, it sounds rude, but, you know, you think, well, how can we all be looking at the same thing? And you look along everyone's pictures, and some of them are shockers. And it is, it is interesting, but they will improve just through practice. I think also, too, if you're someone who enjoys looking at you know, the work of the great photographers, but also painting, looking at painting, hmm. you start to develop a, an eye you can almost short circuit that process from the you know the normal camera to the photo uh, sorry the the phone camera yeah if yeah. you're looking at good work just sure. if it's books or online don't you think you just develop an eye you know mm. it, it, it sort of it educates you mm. composition Especially framing color architectural photos architectural photographs very inspiring but yeah. <laughs> well they all invariably use that one point perspective don't they everything's kind of you know flat and then receding at the same mm. time yeah that's true and I think, but I do see a shift with some of the people that walk with us. Yes. Is that the first thing we'd say is, well, you know, be treat it like a treat it like a camera. Mm. You know, hold it mm. firmly. Keep mm. the lenses clean. All the things that all we used to be obsessed so about. You're absolutely right. You know, but a mm. phone's something you chuck in the bag with your keys. And, mm. pff, you mm. know, I mean, we used to be so careful about lenses mm. and mm. not damaging mm. the lens and. 
you know, hold bracing the camera, holding it very firmly. And now we hold the phone up and then bang the front to take the picture. You know, it just makes so. Just I think that shift, learning that instantly you can touch a spot and focus on it. You can adjust the mm. exposure. Mm. And suddenly you're thinking about this thing as a seriously good camera rather than just your phone, you know, which mm. you keep in your back pocket. So I think mm. there's also that approach. Yeah, absolutely which, right. Different. And then you frame, you you pay more attention. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. More focus, which is what you're saying. Okay. Well, thank you. Cool. That's yeah. a very content-heavy um, little episode. <laughs> pretty, pretty snappy <laughs> little episode. Quite a few, hey? quite a few um, subjects in the, in the same at the same time. Well, thank you both for joining us. And we Thanks, look forward Will. to talking again next same. week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well traveled. Indeed. Mm. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks.